Hello, amazing church. Yes, some do's and don'ts of lockdown level four, because we're in lockdown level four. And these are crazy and amazing times, and we're not exactly sure when we'll be back in the building together, but we can be together this way, and I love it. The same Spirit, the same Father, God's grace is with us. His Word is upon us, and we are excited for all that He wants to do in the season. Gabe shared a scripture with us earlier this week. I want to share it with you. It's 1 Corinthians 15, and it goes like this. It's a beautiful scripture. It's challenging us. So, my dear brothers, that's us, since future victory is sure... Be strong and steady, always abounding in the Lord's work, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted, as it would be if there was no resurrection. I love the Passion Translation. So now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with unshakable confidence. We know that we prosper and excel in every season by serving the Lord because we are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. That is my prayer in the season for you. That is my prayer for us and this church. That in everything we do, God would bring fruitfulness, He would bring life, and He would get all the glory. Why? Because victory is sure. Victory is sure in our King. In his resurrection, his life, and his love. I'm going to pray for us just to help us in this moment. Is that good? Our Father, we come this morning. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence so we know that you're with us. But I ask right now, would you be touching? Would you be speaking? Would you be bringing freedom? Would you be breaking chains? And let your word as we preach and we continue the series in the book of Proverbs this morning. Word to the wise, I pray. As your word instructs us, and we'll see later, we just got to ask. We got to ask for your wisdom at these times. So we do, we ask, as your church, your people, your bride, for your wisdom to navigate these times, mighty King. Amen. I just want to say you're an amazing church. Thank you for your incredible support over the season. Thank you for your love, your care, your prayers, your continued generosity, and continued sacrifice to see the kingdom of God advance in these times. We send huge love, we ask that, and we pray for you daily, and we'll continue to do it all these days ahead. So we jump into a new series, Gabe jumped in, how good was that preaching last week? Word to the wise, say hashtag YOLT, YOLO is so yesterday, YOLO is like 2020. We are not in 2020, it is 2021, it is YOLT, and we are here, and we're speaking about wisdom. And as we move on from chapter 1 to chapter 2 and 3 of the book of Proverbs, we see that wisdom is, there are these rewards to wisdom, the kind of a life that lives. But many people have had lots of opinions about what wisdom is. Aristotle, a great man, intellectually smart man, said this, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, I thought he was smart until I read that one, because I know myself a bit. And the more I learn, I'm going, I don't think I was born wise. But anyway, we're learning. Socrates, the only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. I think he's onto something. Shakespeare, the fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Einstein, any fool can know. The point is to understand See, what does the Bible say? Proverbs starts out, as Gage showed us last week, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then we see in Proverbs 2, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Let's read from verse 1. My son, Solomon is writing, 
He's this man of wisdom. He asked God for wisdom to lead God's people into the greatest sphere of influence they had. As the son of David, he stepped in as king and he asked God and he's sharing his wisdom in and through these proverbs, these short sayings that release and reveal wisdom. He says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as if for silver and search for it as if for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The message is this, that we need to value the Word of God, then engage our hearts, our heads, our ears, our minds, our voice, our everything towards God, and only then in applying what we engage in God will we encounter the wisdom of God. Because it says there's a hidden treasure in our searching for wisdom. There's a hidden treasure in our searching for wisdom. And and a hidden treasure, we know that everyone loves a treasure. Well, I believe as we preach this series and if we dive into the book of Proverbs, I ask and I pray every day that God will reveal to you the hidden treasures of wisdom He has for you to lead your life, to navigate your family in these times. See, there's wisdom is closely related, but very distinct to knowledge. Knowledge is to know facts and the processing of facts, but wisdom is the ability to achieve the best results with those facts, to take them on the road and to put tires on the road and go a distance. Wisdom is the ability to navigate life with what you know. There are many great philosophers who've had great opinions about wisdom. One of them, an Irish philosopher known as Brian O'Driscoll, who also played rugby, said, wisdom is knowing a tomato is a fruit. No, that's knowledge. Knowledge is knowing tomatoes are fruit. Ah, I messed it up. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. There's a difference. There's a practical aspect to living this life out so there would be a fruitfulness in our journey. Mankind's been desperate for wisdom. Desperate. Always desperate for new ideas, new thoughts. And our world is no different and Facebook's no different as the words of the wise become the singers of our age. And people we know nothing about, we've known no track record, they have no fruit, but they say things that alliterate nicely and stick out from the crowd. Man's always been desperate for wisdom. There's an incredible comic called Charlie Brown. It was a colleague strip and at its height, it was in 50 years it ran, for 50 years in the peanut gang. It's about these kids and their dog and their bird and these stories. But at its peak, this comic strip ran in more than 2,500 newspapers every day, reaching 355 million people in 75 countries. And when they understood and they delved in, it's because people were desperate for wisdom and these kids were wise beyond their years, sharing their thoughts and insights through a comic strip. And men were going to a comic strip and women were going to a comic strip for wisdom. Or we could go to the Proverbs in the Bible. James challenged the idea of wisdom in this way. He said, who is wise and understanding among you? But his conduct let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness sown in peace 
by those who make peace. Note the sharp contrast that James applies between, well, wisdom and godly wisdom. See, worldly wisdom promotes self. Godly wisdom elevates others. Worldly wisdom seeks the highest place because of wisdom, where godly wisdom seeks the lowest place in humility. Worldly wisdom avoids the mirror to look back at me, but godly wisdom says, actually, we, we submit to the mirror of the Word of God in our lives. Worldly wisdom trusts in our earthly position, where godly wisdom trusts in the treasures of heaven and eternity. Worldly wisdom boasts, but godly wisdom is slow to speak. Worldly wisdom says, trials will crush you. Godly wisdom says, trials will mature you. God, worldly wisdom says, temptation is not a big deal. Godly wisdom says, temptation indulged leads to death. You see, there's such a difference. And if you take away nothing else from the series, we've got to know the reason we preach the Bible, the reason we call people to the Bible is because good worldly wisdom... Some, although sometimes it overlaps and might coincide with your godly wisdom, is very different to godly wisdom. So the million-dollar question of the day that I know you're all asking, how do we get it? Are you born with it? Do you have to read the Bible 37,000 times? Well, James speaks to us in James 1 verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Good starting point. Who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ah, oh. so to get grow in wisdom is to go on a journey of asking God. Seems simple. So by doing this series, we're speaking into the need for godly wisdom and the understanding that human earthly wisdom, worldly wisdom, will always fall short of what God calls us to. See, sometimes it'll sound amazing and sometimes it'll sound clever and, and sometimes we are pulled in by the voices of this earth, but unless they are preaching Jesus Christ crucified, I'm telling you, it will always fall short. And I love some of the voices that help us in this time grow in our ability, but I want to tell you that there are voices like Brene Brown, who I think is a great voice, but I can't tell you how many pastoral meetings I've sat in and people are quoting Brene Brown about being vulnerable. I've also sat in meetings with a man in adultery quoting Brene Brown about being vulnerable with his sin. But the gospel doesn't leave us being vulnerable with our sin. The gospel brings us in our vulnerability before Christ. Jesus modeled vulnerability to us as he spoke to his disciples in Matthew 26. And he, and he demonstrated his anguish and his pain about what was to come and the pain that he was going to experience. Vulnerability is not the enemy. Brene Brown's not the enemy, but the enemy gets when we think the end game is vulnerability. The end game is not vulnerability, it's repentance. It's freedom that comes from Christ that pulls us into the more. But I want to speak this morning from two ama one amazing proverb, two amazing verses that I feel like should be written in every child's book, in every child's Bible, and on every wall. I feel like it was written in most Bibles given to me by my mother. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. I just want to share this scripture today because I feel it's a profound one. See, I want to start with the end, that he will make our paths straight. Let's be honest. How many Instagram photos have you liked or followed or whatever you do or Facebook where there's just a straight street? 
No, Instagram loves the curve on the side of a mountain where people are holding on by their fingertips and the wheels are falling off the edge. Instagram loves a drama, dramatic scene like Chapman's Peak or some road that ends into a sea and you're going, that's amazing. I want to take a photo of that. I'm going to get likes. And, I, and the challenges, we start pulling that into our lives and we start wanting lives that look more like soap operas and dramas than what the Bible presents as a life that brings them glory, a life of glory to glory. A life that looks more straight, without the scandal, without the unnecessary pain, without the unnecessary stories. There's a reward to wisdom. And the Bible says that that reward to wisdom is he will make our paths straight where we walk, where we, where we tackle life, and where we lead our families. And although it might not be sexy to this world, it's necessary for life. And I, my preach today is called, Don't Waste Your Days. Don't waste your days. Why? Because this is what it said in Deuteronomy 1. It was the command to leave Horeb. It's a statement. And these are the words Moses spoke to all in Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. That is the Arabah. Opposite stuff between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizabah. In brackets. It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea and to the Mount Seir Road. Mount Seir, another road named for Mount Sinai. He's basically stating right up front that that journey should take 11 days. And but Exodus tells us that same journey that should have taken 11 days took God's people 40 years. 14,489 days more than it should have taken them. Because they wouldn't trust God. Because they chose rebellion, because they chose chaos. And you know what they would have got? Millions and millions of great Instagram photos if that had been a thing in the day. Oh, look at the pictures of the wildflowers in the desert. Look at the manna on the floor. Look at the, the desert storm rolling in that's about to take down our tent. Oh, the mountains that shadow over us. Oh, the water coming from a rock. All great Instagram stories and all things the world celebrates. And yet I'm telling you, Generations lost in a desert, the best years of young men and women's lives wasted in a desert, just surviving and waiting for food every day rather than taking ground for the kingdom of God. Why? Because they chose to not trust God, because they chose rebellion. The first thing that happens in choosing rebellion and chaos is the enemy comes rushing in like a flood and keeps them in a desert for 40 years that they should have only been in for 11 days. Maybe you're stuck. Don't waste your days. Choose wisdom of God. Eternal wisdom, higher wisdom. Wisdom that was there before man even had a word for it. And wisdom that will be there afterwards seated on his throne. Choose Jesus. Choose God. And, and the Bible speaks in this incredible proverb. It says there are three ways to requiring this path of straightness in our lives. The first is this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. See, we live in a trust deficit world, unfortunately. It's, it's, I've all been hurt, and, and it's kind of in vogue to have a story of pain. And because I have a story of pain, and that's in vogue, I have a leaning towards lacking trust. And leaders have let us down. Men are processing that. Women are processing that now. But our own leadership in our nation at this time, and parents have let us down because they disappeared with divorce rates and brokenness in our story. And so what we do is we now bring that to God, and we project it. But there's a man in Hebrews 11 who's celebrated as a man or a hero of faith. His name was Abraham. Incredible man. 
God chose to do incredible things through, but he celebrated for this in Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, who God tested him, when God tested him, offered Isaac. Who's Isaac? Isaac was his son, promised of God, the answer to promises, the answer to everything that his heart made, kept his heart beating as a sacrifice. He who embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. It didn't make sense that he would sacrifice the son. Why? Because God had promised something through Isaac. But Abraham reasoned. He thought. He ran the numbers. He put his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding into everything that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. This man is celebrated for not trusting God with what socks to wear. Do I turn left or right or open door left? No, he, he chose a much higher trust, a trust with all of his heart. Isaac was his heart on an altar. Isaac were the desires of his heart. Isaac were the promises of God that had crept into his heart that he was prepared to lay down again. Why? Because the God of promises was with him. And God provided a ram from the thicket, a perfect sacrifice, a replacement, a substitute, as he did in Jesus. But I want to tell you there's no faith journey without a trust journey. And there's no wisdom of God without a journey of faith and trust in God. It's not complicated. Solomon speaks and presents. And he challenges in this the, the notion that a people would take a 13,589 days longer to do a journey that should have taken 11 days. Don't waste your days. And the first way that believers waste their days is they either trust God with little bits or they don't trust God at all. God, let me down. I'll trust God with eternity, which we somehow find easier. Just think about it for a second. We somehow find it easier to trust God with eternity rather than trusting God with the here and now, with my children, the Isaacs of our lives. The promises in our lives, the careers, the stories, the finances, our 90%, our 10%. We struggle with these things. Why? Because we struggle to trust God. The Bible says, you want a straight path, the fruits, the rewards of wisdom. It starts, it starts with trusting God. It looks like this. The start of the Exodus, and it took 40 years, but it got where it was supposed to get to because this is the result in Exodus 40 verse 36. In all the travels of the Israelites, when the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they would not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. God had a people who were rebellious, who were broken, who did trust their own inclinations, who kept on rebelling against the promises and the goodness of God and lacking trust in Him. But the end result is they went through a desert for 40 years. And if God needs to take us through a desert, he wants to get us to a place of trusting him. And when the cloud moves, we move. And when the pillar moves, we move. And when the cloud moves, we move. And when the pillar moves, we move. Not an open door and not a mountain move. A pillar and a cloud because God is in the pillars and clouds in our lives. And he's calling us to trust him. Secondly, says, you want to walk in the world's world, don't waste your days. Do not lean on your own understanding. See, we sing the songs. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands. Is it? Have you placed it there? Have you made a conscious decision to place it there? 
Because that's what it means. This is a conscious decision not to be self-reliant. Not to say, I've got understanding, I've grown up a bit, I'm a little bit able to do it. No, no, we are not God. And even the best philosophers and the wisest and cleverest people of this earth are not God. They do not see the beginning from the end. They are, he is above processing. God doesn't need a process. He is perfect wisdom. He is perfect knowledge. And my ability to stay there and position myself and to not lean on my own understanding. See, the challenges time we come when times are good, it's hashtag blessed, it's, it's oh, Jesus take the words, all these things. But then the winds begin to go, we get a little insecure and we start falling back onto our back when we realize we are leaning on our own understanding. God says, no, I want you here when the winds blow. I want you strong. I want you anchored in the promises of God and the provision of God and the kindness of God and the character of God. I need you anchored there. I need you leaning in. Might not be hip, it might not be woke, it might not be current, it might not be contextual, but these are truths that have stood the test of time. Beyond legacies of governments and legacies of nations, there are the promises of God which have stood. God says, actually, I need you not to throw away your brains, become clever, navigate and grow. But here's how it works, Proverbs 21 verse 31. The horse is made ready for the battle. You're the horse and I'm the, the horse. And God has prepared us for battle and we are the ones that ride into battle. God's calling us to ride into battle, but here's the kicker. But victory rests with the Lord. Victory's not on me. I've got to go into battle. I've got to prepare. I've got to get my skills and my abilities and grow and learn and do all those amazing things to give him all the glory but when I forget that victory lies in the Lord and the Lord alone, I'm lost. I'm off my leaning into Him. And I'm leaning on my own understanding. And this is true and has to be true. And I've got to take this responsibility to place it in God's hand in the area of finances. Well, it doesn't make sense. Stop trying to make sense. In the area of sexuality, I, I, I'm struggling. Or maybe, maybe you're saying I'm struggling with the fact that I love these people, but it seems the Bible doesn't agree with areas or choices. No, the Bible doesn't. So don't lean on your own understanding and choose the way of life so that life can come to every person, including the person who is wrestling. The areas of relationships, even paying your taxes, maybe wrestle, read the Bible, and let's just get on with what God's called us to do in these times. And lastly, if you don't want to waste your life in a desert for 40 years and you want the journey to be 11 days as it should, in all your ways, all your ways, say it with me, all your ways. That word all is a big word. All your ways, acknowledge him. See, the challenge with this acknowledge him when we read it through in a daily reading and we don't dig a little deeper, we lose the meaning. Acknowledge him is not walking down the street and acknowledging someone. Hello, neighbor. Don't know their name, don't really care their story. Hello. Someone driving past, read hello. Maybe even the sports person who's learned the right thing to do is to honor God. I'm not saying it's for every person, but sometimes it seems like the right thing. I just want to praise my Lord and let's move on. And hell yeah, I did this. No, this word acknowledge translated is a word yada. Yada. And it's a word that literally means to know or to recognize. There's a deeper knowledge. And in the case of Proverbs 3 verse 6, it's to know his ways inside and out. And to, to continually acknowledge him as the one who fights, the one who takes hold of. Acknowledging God is not a surface tip of the hat. Good day, God. 
going to make this decision. Did you acknowledge God? Well, I prayed. Did you listen? Did you ask? Or did you tip your hat? See, in Psalm 51, verse 3, David says, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sins that is ever before me against you, and only you have I sinned and done this evil thing in your sight. There's a deep, overwhelming, almost holding of him in that place that I cannot just move away from this. To acknowledge God is to hold on and to allow him into a place of intimacy. It says in Genesis 4 that Adam knew Eve. Adam yada. Eve, in a sexual intimacy way, there was a fruitfulness from their knowing, their acknowledging. God's wanting a fruitfulness from your acknowledge him in all your ways. God is wanting a fruitfulness. In Exodus 33, Moses asked the Lord to teach him his ways so that he may know him, he may yada him. Not just that he would acknowledge him, God, nice to see you today. God, nice to have you in my story on a Sunday and maybe a life group once a week and maybe a moment when I find time to fix your word into my life. No, I want to yada you in all my decisions, my business decisions and how I play my employees and how I navigate corona in tough times and how I hold on to you. There is not a tipping of the hat to God. It is a holding on because I know him intimately and he pulls me into greater intimacy. And because of that intimacy, there's a fruitfulness on the other side. So Bible's clear, and I love reading the Bible this way. How not to waste your days. Back to the Israelites. 40 years it took them. 40 years. 40 years intense. 40 years of navigating, not really building anything, living in tents. God sustained them. God held them, and he'll do the same for you in the desert. But why live in the desert where you can make the journey in 11 days? Don't waste your days. Young people, make decisions, not on what is woke or hip or makes sense to a crowd. Hold on to the promises of God. Number one, you want that? Well, understand, that looks like something straight. It looks like a path that will look boring to much of the world. It looks like holding on to things like marriages, holding on to relationships, holding on to God's ways of generosity and kindness in a world that celebrates the opposite. And this is on the other side, how to do that? Number one, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Oh, Mark, I'm single and everyone is living together and everyone's testing it. No, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 16 verse 9, the mind of a person plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Plan your ways. I'm a planner. But will you allow God to direct your steps? the God of heaven and earth, the creator of the land upon which you walk, the giver of the gifts that lie inside your story. And lastly, in all your ways, acknowledge him. A cry, a, a charge, a, a word of wisdom to say, don't just tip your hat to God. Acknowledge him in his intimacy, in his desire to be close, in the promise that we can access the presence of God and we aren't these wanderers through a desert. Well, which way next? How do we get lost next? Which mountain should we walk around again? That one was fun. Let's go around there again. We go around the mountain of brokenness again. And we go around the mountain of broken relationships and addiction and chaos again. Why? Because we don't trust in God. Because we don't lean upon his we lean upon our own understanding rather than lean into the promises, the goodness, and the person of God. And lastly, because we don't acknowledge Him, we don't pursue intimacy, yada, to know Him that would bring a fruitfulness out of our lives. That fruitfulness looks like straight street. 
looks like a road that might look boring to Instagram profiles of this life, but brings glory to God every day, every hour. My prayer is just, God, would you get all the glory? That's my prayer for my life. Then what's the prayer for your life? I like nice things and I want good provision and I want the ability to do great things. But ultimately, if you were to boil me down, I trust and pray that if you refined me down to my essence, my desire and my prayer is, God, would you get all the glory? I want to pray that for you today as well. Ephesians 1 verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. The victory, the win, the power, the life is in knowing God. The fruitfulness and the wisdom to walk this life. Make the decisions. Not wondering, no foot in front of foot. With the word lighting our way and the spirit of God leading. I pray spirit of God for every person today. Whether they're watching live or they're watching later. Whether they're with their family or they're alone. Whether this lockdown level four has them wrapped up in a blanket of anxiety. Or they are taking over the world. I pray God. Teach us spirit of God. Show me trust. Like Abraham trusted. As he laid his son down. As he laid his heart down. Teach me not to lean in the ways I've learned to lean, but to lean into your promises, your word, your goodness, and your kindness. Teach me what it is to yada the king, to submit, to acknowledge, to honor his ways in my life. I don't want to waste my days. I want every day to bring you glory. I know for every person here today, I want every day to bring you glory. Would you have all the glory? All the honor, all the praise. Amen. What a privilege it is to be together. I'm going to hand over back to the team. Have an amazing day, and we'll see you soon.